Well, welcome everyone to JFC, whether you're here at Lone Tree or at one of our campuses or joining us online. We are so excited to have you here. We are in the middle of a series called Lies. I think last week, Pastor John did a great job introducing that and just preparing the way for different lies that we're going to talk about that Satan uses against us in our lives. But tonight, I'm going to be speaking on how to detect a lie. So I was thinking like, well, yeah, there's some lies that people believe throughout their lives. But all of a sudden, when I was given the subject of speaking on a lie, I became so aware of lies. It's like you go and you buy a white car or you buy a Honda, and then all of a sudden you like realize all the Hondas that are out on the street. I feel like it's been the exact same way for me when get preparing for this message of I've just noticed all these different lies that people are believing and that the, our culture is giving into. And so a few of those I just want to go over is one of them is you make up your own religion. You can make whatever religion you want to do. You can add a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Mormon in there. You can add a little bit of new age and add all these different things to believe in what you want to believe and the things that you want to do. And if you watch TV, is it not true that there are just people coming out all of a sudden just, well, I like this part of this religion, or I like this part of this religion. Or what about you can decide what kind of God you want to believe in. Do you like an angry God? Do you like a happy God? Do you like, you can fill in the blank. You get to choose what kind of God you believe in and who he is because you are like God is another lie that people are beginning to believe or have believed. If you're a woman, maybe it's you aren't thin enough or you're not pretty enough, and if you don't fit into the guidelines of what our culture has said is beautiful, then you must not be beautiful. Or if you're a man, maybe it's you're not adequate. You'll never make enough for your family. Your kids will never look at you the way you want them to look at you. And all of these lies are constantly being thrown at us every single day. And the list goes on and on and on. We are constantly having to deal with, is this truth? Is this a lie? What do I choose to believe? But I am here to tell you that there's hope in the midst of lies. There is hope in the midst of the things that we seem to feel are so true and so real. Because is it not true that our lies can become our reality and our reality becomes our truth? So you may be believing in a lie tonight and not even knowing that you're believing in a lie. So before we can go and talk about how to tear down these strongholds in our life, we must first learn how to recognize a lie in our life. And as silly as this sounds, as I was preparing for this message, 
my first thought, initial thought in this was, well, you usually know you're believing a lie. You usually know what lie you're believing and just don't know how to get out of it. But as I've become more aware of the lies that people are believing, I've realized that sometimes we believe lies and are so blind to it that it has become such a truth in our lives. So we need to learn to know what lies we're believing. And to do that, we have to know where the lie starts. We have to know the stages of a lie. So tonight, I want to talk about the stages of a lie. So the first stage of the lie is this. Number one, a lie begins in our thoughts. The devil plants a lie in our thoughts in many different ways, church. Maybe as a child, you had a parent tell you you weren't wanted. You were a mistake and you weren't supposed to be on this earth. And you've lived your life according to that lie that you were told at a very young age. And the decisions you have made have been based off of a lie that was told of, I'm not wanted here. I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe it was a friend who told you something out of their own innocence, didn't even mean to lie to you, and yet maybe you had a friend tell you something that wasn't true, and you've believed and you've adopted that lie. Maybe the media has lied to you. <gasps> the media lies. Yes, the media lies to us all the time. But what we don't realize is maybe sometimes we have adopted those lies and have made them our reality. Maybe you read a book that changed your theology. Maybe you grew up believing something your whole life and then you read something and all of a sudden this one person has changed the belief system that you held so true. Or could it just be a moment of reflection? Could it be in a moment of silence by yourself that our enemy could come in and plant a lie that begins to overtake your thoughts? See, all of these things can lead to the start of a lie. It's these moments of temptation of like, are you going to believe it? Are you going to grab onto that lie? Or are you, you going to believe in the truth? In John 8.44, it says this. He, talking about the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. You see, church, Satan wants to take over your thoughts and begin to plant lie after lie after lie. And here's how he does it. It is so natural for him. If you, can we pull that back up really quick? I just want to point this out. It says, for there is no truth in him, meaning he has no truth. He knows no truth. All he knows is lies. So I want to point this out. Could it be that he makes it so appealing and so natural because he's so good at doing it? It is the most natural thing for him to lie to us. It is the thing that he knows how to do. And so it may seem so convincing in the moment. Well, I guess that's true. I guess that could be real about my life or about this circumstance. I'm not wanted. I'm not deserved. I mean, I can point out a lot of different times in my life that that must seem true because he's so good at making a lie seem like truth in our lives. And when a lie enters our thoughts, it begins to change the way we think. And so here's what we do. We think we, there's this lie that we believe in this area. So maybe it's, 
I will never be good enough at my job. Maybe you believe that. Maybe that's the lie. And you think it's just going to affect you in your job. But a lie does not just affect one aspect of your life. What a lie does is it begins to take its fingers and cover every place of your thoughts because it wants to hold you captive. And it's not just in one area of your life. It's in all areas of your life. So you think, I'm not good at my job. But then it starts becoming, I'm not a good wife or husband. I'm not a good mother or father. I'm not good enough for you, God, so I should hide in shame because I'm not good enough. Do you see how that one thought all of a sudden begins to take over the places in our lives? A lie becomes the filter that we begin to see life through. So I don't know if anybody has Instagram out there, but you can, you can take a picture, and then you can choose all. They have like 20 different filters that you can choose, and it, it changes your photo. It makes it, it, distorts it, I guess would be a good way of saying it. And the same is true of a lie. You think it's just for this one instance, but what it does is it puts a filter on your life, and all of a sudden, your life looks a little distorted. Your life looks a little different and a little off base, and then it becomes to get more dark and more gray and more confusing, and these thoughts begin to take over every aspect of our life. A place I struggle with this is sometimes I feel like I am a bad wife, if I'm just really honest. Sometimes I feel like I don't do enough and that I am not the picture-perfect wife that I'm loud and I'm opinionated and I have something to say about everything. And I just, I was just talking the other day. I was like, I just need to learn to be quiet. And yet I still keep talking. It's a struggle I have. But see, this struggle has then become part of my thoughts. And it's taken over in a way of then I start getting really critical of myself. But then what happens is I start getting really critical of my husband, and I start seeing him through a different filter that he's possibly putting me in this place, that, that he is the one who is making me feel this way, and I, I start feeling so discouraged about myself. Why try? Why even, why even participate or even work for something when I feel like I'm such a failure? But then it begins to take over in my job. So we have a night where we fight, and then I feel like I'm horrible, and I'm a bad wife, but then the next day it carries over, and I'm sitting in my desk, and I still feel like a failure, and then I go home, and I can't make the right dinner, and then I feel more like a failure, and then I call my mom, and we get in a fight, and I feel more like a failure, because that one thought has affected the rest of my thoughts, and I'm not living according to God's will for my life. I'm living out of a lie that Satan is desiring for my life. Lies affect our thoughts. That's the first thing. Number two, here's what they do next, is a lie then takes over our words. If you can pull this scripture up, it says this. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. I want to read that again because if we can grasp the power in this scripture, I believe God is going to start doing powerful things in our life. So let me read it again. Words kill, words give life. 
They're either poison or fruit. You choose. You have a choice in the words that you speak over your life because here's what happens. When that thought comes into your mind, you begin to speak it out after a while. And when we begin to speak out lies over ourselves, we speak out the death that that scripture is talking about. We are literally speaking death into who we are. I'm not good enough. It's death. I'm not worthy. I will never be loved or wanted or accepted. We are speaking lies into who we are. And church, do not be fooled to think that our enemy is not aware of the power that we have in our words. He is well aware of the power that you have in your words and the life that can come out of your words or the death that can come out of your words. And he wants to take a small thought and turn it into words because he is well aware of the power God has given us in our words. So what more would he want than for us to speak curses over our life? What more would he want than for us to begin to curse who we are? And I was just thinking, it talks about in the beginning of one of the Gospels, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was good, and it goes on. And if that doesn't point out how important words are to God, they're important, church. They're important what you speak. God spoke the world into existence. And we are the only ones, is it, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're the only beings or animals on this earth that have the ability to speak and to write and to make up language. We're the only ones. Could it be possible that he's giving us a power that he wants no other being to have here on earth? We have the power in our words to decide if we're doing poison or fruit over our life and over ourselves and over our families and our children and our spouses. We have power in what we're speaking each and every day. So as I was preparing this message, there was this blog that came out by this um, Christian musician that I really admire and respect and have had, has had a ton of influence on my life based on the songs that he has written and, and the, I, we've sang some of them here in this church and, and the, the power and the closeness, the intimacy in the songs of us with God and the idea of that. So a few years ago to build this story is this musician was interviewed and came out and said some controversial stuff, but it was in an ambiguous way. And for some reason, it was told, it, nothing came of it. There was no buzz about it. But a few weeks ago, it resurfaced. How many know that's how the internet works? It just randomly comes back up. So it's resurfaced. So there was all these questions being asked about this musician, like, what did you say? And how could you say that? And all of these things. So he decides to write a blog. So he writes this really long blog on his website about what he believes. And here is what he comes out and he says. He says, I don't believe that Genesis is a real life thing, but rather it's a metaphor. And that's all it could be. 
And he even goes further on to say that anyone of higher level thinking couldn't actually believe that all of that in Genesis could be real. And more specifically, the story of Noah is what he really points out to. He talks about how could the animals really migrate down to Australia or South Africa. And, and you can tell there's a struggle in what he's doing. He's trying to figure out for himself what he believes and why he believes what he believes. And, and it's okay, right? It's okay that sometimes we struggle through our faith and Sometimes we figure things out, but the issue with what he had done is all of a sudden he spoke power into these thoughts and into these words. There was power. And so he writes this whole entire thing, and at the bottom leaves room for comments. And within two days, I went on, and there's 300-plus comments of people writing into this. And granted, there are some who, who defend and go, hey, like, this is a little off base, right? Because Jesus even quotes Noah. So are you calling Jesus a liar? And there's some, there's some debate. But from what most of what I saw, a lot of it was it's so refreshing to see this new look on the Bible. It's so refreshing that somebody has a new idea of how to look at this. And it's people that some people posted on Facebook. It was friends and it's people I know that I was thinking, but this is our truth. This is our truth. The Bible we hold on to and the Bible that we know is a story of God's love from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And it's his truth from the beginning to the end. And we do not get to choose the parts we want to believe in that Bible. We do not get to choose the parts that work for us or are convenient for us. And I want to point out, sometimes things that God does are past my understanding. I don't get to accept explain always why God does what he does, but I know he's faithful. I know he's true. And his word is truth. His word is truth. And we have a choice then to speak truth or to speak death. And we get to decide what we're going to do on any given day, just like this man was given a choice. Because after all of a sudden there's this anger between brothers and sisters. There's this anger. Even those who were like, hey, the Bible's true, there was almost this anger of those who disagreed. Instead of this loving of coming together, it caused anger toward one another. The devil loves division. The devil loves when we speak out gossip or words of malice because it divides the body of Christ. So two is a lie that takes over our words. Number three and the last point of the stages that I believe is this. Ultimately, a lie becomes our life. A lie stops you from moving forward in your life. The devil wants to stop you in your place so you cannot move any closer to who God is. The devil wants to stop you from moving on into your calling, from walking into your calling. I believe that's the purpose of why he lies to us. That is why there are lies, because it stops us. We can't move forward, and we feel stuck, and we begin to live a life based around this lie. In James 1, through 24, it reads this, but be doers of the word and not only hearers, pay attention to that part, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like the man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. This is so important. If we want to live in truth, we must be doers of the word and not only hearers. Church, it's not enough just to sit in this room and listen to the truth of God. You must go out and be active in your faith. You must go out and be doers of what you believe to be truth, or otherwise, the devil will come in, and it is so much easier to believe his lies. It is so much easier when you are stopped, or when you are far from God, or when you are distant, or you are not running your race to allow lies to come in and infiltrate your thoughts and your words and your life. We must be living out truth or else he will come in and steal our life. He will come in and it will paralyze us. Lies are meant to paralyze you. Lies are meant to stop you where you're at so you cannot move forward. He doesn't want you in that place. God does not desire for you to be in the place of a paralyzing lie because all he is doing is reaching out to you and calling out to you and asking you, will you come follow me? There's always an action to what God is calling us to. There's always an action to what we are believing there is always a movement toward him or away from him. And the devil wants you as far away from God as possible. Because once you believe one lie, how much easier is it to believe another lie and another lie and another lie? I believe God is wanting to set people free tonight. I believe God is wanting to open our eyes up to the realization that he is wanting us to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Your thoughts provoke your words, which in turn provoke your actions, which represent the way you live your life. That one lie can all of a sudden affect your whole life. Maybe you're in a place right now where you're aware of the lie. Maybe you know the lie that you're believing, and yet you don't know how to get out of it. You don't know how to move forward, and you don't know how to move on, and you feel so condemned in the place that you are. And I want to let you know that that's just another lie that Satan's telling you, that you're stuck here, and that you can't move on, and that you can't keep moving forward. It's a lie and a tactic he uses because he doesn't want you to move forward. And maybe it's small steps you have to take. Maybe it's little steps each day. Maybe it's not an over-the-night thing that you just wake up one day and you're just set free. Because yes, I believe God does that, but often I believe God wants us to work. Because right here in James, he says, be doers of the word. Be doers of the word because he doesn't want you to forget. He doesn't want you to forget his truth. A few weeks ago in July... I had the opportunity, my husband and I had the opportunity to go down to Phoenix with my parents for a week of vacation. So we were leaving on a Sunday night, and we had to work Sunday morning, so we couldn't leave Sunday early. We had to leave at a later flight. So we, like, rushed. We were, like, went to church, worked, 
then like packed and ran. We were late to the airport. It was just a crazy day. I got in trouble at the airport because I had mace and they pulled me aside and TSA was yelling at me and I've never been in trouble. It was a bad day, bad. Don't bring mace with you. <laughs> but anyways, we somehow end up getting upgraded after all of that into the emergency exit row. Though I'm five foot two, so it's not really like a big deal for me. There's no extra space. I'm like, great. But my husband and I are sitting there, and the seat next to us is empty. And I feel like this always happens to me when I fly. I am always the first person on, and I'm sitting in my place, and the entire time I'm praying, please don't let anybody sit by me. Please don't let anybody sit by me. Yeah, real Christian of me, right? But I like to sit alone. I mean, JJ, my husband, he, it's okay to sit with him. But... We're sitting and we're waiting and all of a sudden they're like saying, okay, the doors will be closing soon. And I'm like, yes, no one's going to sit with us. And then at the last second walks in this man and I looked at him and I was like, he's sitting next to me. Sure enough, he sits next to me and is like, bet you guys thought I wasn't going to sit here. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting there. Not only is he sitting next to us, but he's talking to us. Like we have our headphones in. He's one of those. He's just like, he doesn't care. He's going to talk to you till you listen to him. So we both pull out our headphones and we start talking to this man, being the good Christians that we are. <laughs> but we're talking. And of course, he starts asking questions. He goes, are you married? We say yes. And he goes, why? You're too young to be married. And you just politely laugh at those people and go, okay, though my husband's almost 28, so just, we just look like teenagers possibly. <laughs> but then he starts asking more in-depth questions. Where do you live? What do you like to do for fun? Why are you going to Phoenix? And he tells us that he had just recently been married and where he was living and stuff like that. And inevitably, I know the question's about to come up of where do you work? And so I'm like, trying to put my headphones back in before because I know the second I say that I'm a pastor at a church that my husband and I are, that he will instantly feel the need to defend himself in some way or another. And I just want to fly to Phoenix. <laughs> but he does. He asks, he goes, so where do you work? And we both go, we work at a church in High Highland Ranch in Lone Tree. And he goes, oh. And he pauses for a minute and he says, I used to go to church. <laughs> And we're like, great. And he goes, no, I did. And we're like, great. And he's, he, said, he, he carries on the conversation and says, I, I, was, I grew up Catholic. I went to Mass and all of that stuff. And, and then he proceeds to say, but my wife's about to have a baby, and we want to get back in church. And we say, hey, we have a church. We go to one. And we tell him about it, and he goes, that's great. But my only problem is there's a lot about church I don't agree with. So he begins to tell us these lies that he's believed about who God is. He, he tells us that, he goes, I don't agree that God is just angry at people for things and, and just has this philosophy and these ideas of God that are so off base from who God really is. And he's telling me that he hasn't been in church in years, in years. And he, he's just so far from God. And there's, I can tell there's this anger in him. And yet this desire of, I don't know how to get, I want to get past it, but I don't know how to get past it. So he's speaking to us and all of that. And, and all of a sudden, my heart just begins to break for this man. Because I begin to think of what my life would be like if I didn't know the true love of God that he has for me. 
or if I didn't know that I was so wanted by God and so accepted by him and so always forgiven by God, though I make mistakes constantly, that God is so in love with me and that I am able to wake up every morning and start the day with that idea. This man knows nothing of that. And my heart begins to break and I begin to pray for this man in my head. You know, we're talking and yet I'm praying with God just saying, man, this is horrible. How does this happen? And God begins to speak to me and he goes, you think you know heartbreak, but you know nothing of my heartbreak for this man. You know nothing of the way that I feel and I hurt that this man, though he thinks he believes lies or truth, he's believing such lies about who God is. And it breaks our Father's heart every time we believe lies about who we are. Because in truth, we're really not believing lies about who we are. We're really believing lies about who he is who he is to us. If you think you're not wanted, you think you're not wanted by God. If you think you're not good enough, you ultimately are saying, God, I'm not good enough for you. And you're believing lies about his loving kindness for you. You're not knowing the truth of, God, you are faithful and good and you are always in love with me and always in pursuit of me. And this man on this airplane knew nothing of the love that God felt for him. And it breaks God's heart. It breaks his heart when we are trapped in lies because all he wants is for us to know his truth. All he wants is for us to live lives of freedom and have thoughts of freedom. He wants us to know who he is and what his goodness looks like. Church, you either believe a lie or the truth. And maybe rather it's better said like this. You either believe Satan and his lies, or you believe God and his truth. But either way, you have a choice in what you believe. Sometimes I think another lie that, God, that Satan just adds on to all the other lies we believe is the lie of there is no choice in this. This is just how it is. This is just the way I think. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. You have a choice in what you believe and in the thoughts that you're thinking. And the second a thought enters your mind, you have a choice in that moment to believe in God's truth or to believe in the lie that's being spoken to you. So how do you close a message like this? Where do you go with this? And I felt like this scripture is the perfect way to wrap this up. And it's John 8, 32. If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay, so I've heard this scripture a thousand times. I've spent my whole life in church. I know the scripture, but I feel like I know the scripture in two parts. I know the part of if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And I know the part of then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But I feel like we rarely put those two together. And here's what I felt like God was saying. If you want to be set free, you have to know the truth. And if you ha know the truth, you have to be his disciple. And that you have to hold on to it. Reverse it back is what I'm saying. 
Because so often we think, okay, if I know the lie, then I'll be set free by the truth. We always, for some reason, think like that. We want to know the lie and destroy the lie, and then we'll be set free and know truth. But no, here's what it's saying. If you want to know the truth, the truth will set you free. You have to know his truth, church. You have to hold on to his teaching. And this is why it's so important to hold on to the truth of the Bible, because it is our truth, and it is our life, and it is our source, and it is the way that we learn to become disciples of him. It is the way then in turn that we know the truth and then that truth will set us free. When we know Jesus, who is our truth, it sets us free. When we cling to him, we can begin to see truth in the midst of a lie. He can do this at all stages. Whether you believed a lie for the first time in a new way this morning or whether I felt like there were people that had believed lies for 20 plus years in this church. And you've learned, it's, it, here's what happens. You learn to live around your lie. You learn to make exceptions for your lie. It's like this like heavy backpack that you just say you have to have with you. And you try to ignore it try to move on. You try to do your life and do your normal things, and yet at the end of all of it, you're still clinging to this lie. And I know that God wants to set you free, and he wants to speak truth into your life, and he wants to bring deliverance in the areas of these lies that have plagued the way you've lived and the decisions you have made. But to do that, we must hold on to his teaching. We must believe that he is good. Do you believe that he is good? Do you believe that he wants good for you? Do you believe that he loves you and is in constant pursuit of you? And if it's not aligning to that, your thoughts, then your thoughts are off. He is not. He is not off. He is always true and he is always constant forever. He is not off. It is us changing our thoughts and our lifestyle into what he has for us because he has such great things. When studying money, those who study counterfeits and who find the fraudulent money and all those types of things, they don't study the fake money because there are thousands and thousands and there's new ways of constantly figuring out how to find fake money and all these different ideas of it. And it would be nearly impossible to know all of those fakes so well. So what they do instead is they study the real money. They study the true thing. They know what it feels like. They know what it smells like. They know what it looks like. They know every little detail of it. And in the same way, if we want to know what lies we are believing, we shouldn't run after the lies. We should go after the real thing, and that is God's truth. It holds true, and it holds up to every single lie. It can pierce the darkest of darks. It can open up the foggiest of minds. It can set free those who have been chained for so long. We must learn to know the truth. And then we will know how to detect a lie. So tonight we're going to close and we're going to go into a time of worship. And as we were preparing for this, we felt like the best way to do that was to know the truth and to read the truth. So we're going to have scriptures read out during this first song. 
Because we want to speak truth over you tonight, the truth of God into your life. And then we're going to go into worship after that first song. And we have crosses in the back to maybe pin those lies to the crosses. And we have self-serve communion in the back as well. And we have candles up front. But really, take time to worship God to know his truth. And I challenge you, go home. Begin to study your Bible. Begin to know his truth so well so that when a lie comes up, you will know his truth. So Father, I pray for every single person in this room, God, that every lie that is being spoken, Lord Jesus, would begin to fall in the midst of your truth, Lord, would begin to be taken down, and the strongholds would begin to be torn down in your light and in your truth, because you are true, and you are good, and you are so in love with us, Father. God, I thank you for every single thing that you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.